Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the latest episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, we'll take a look at the tragic Air India Express Boeing 737 crash that took place on Friday, and I'll take a look at the huge drop in CO2 emissions seen in Europe during lockdown. I'll explore the Airbus A380's comeback, and then Joe will tell us about a unique A380 spotting opportunity some avgeeks got to enjoy this week. Finally, to round off, we'll look at how the A220 is prospering while other aircraft are grounded. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. So I had a week off last week and it seemed like everything happened. (laughs) Not least the the tragic crash on Friday. I mean, that was was just awful, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, so um, I mean... When someone said, um, messaged me saying, oh, there's been an airplane crash, um, I was thinking like, oh, it's going to be a 737 maybe has come off the side of the runway and got stuck in yeah, the mud, you know, like as they these, do. <laughs> these little things happen all the time. But no, it was um, a really uh, drastic crash happened on Friday at Kozikoda Airport in the southwest coast of India. And I've probably butchered saying that name, so I apologize <laughs> to our listeners. Um but basically, this flight took off at uh, 2.14 local time in Dubai and was coming into land at about 7.40 in uh, Kozikoda. And basically, uh, it's monsoon season in India at the moment. So there's lots mm. of wind, lots of rain. Uh, and this aircraft had already attempted to touch down once or twice. Um, and then it uh, tried this again and... Um, basically shot off the end of the runway but the problem is because um this airport is what's known as a tabletop runway um at the end of the runway there's just a drop of about 30 feet scary um which is it's kind of similar to the 737 accident we saw in istanbul earlier this year with the pegasus um aircraft yeah i remember Um, that and i mean if you look at the pictures the aircraft seems to have broken up in a, a similar sort of uh way but yeah, as of um, I think the latest sort of official death toll from Air India Express, who were operating the aircraft, is uh, seventeen, which included the two pilots. Wow! Um, but other sources have said as much as twenty fatalities. I mean, wow! Um, it's it's not a good one, but um, it's. Uh, I, I'm amazed that there's not been more fatalities. Frankly, looking at the damage that this aircraft has sustained. Yeah, I mean, the pictures I saw, I'm surprised anyone walked away from that. But uh, mm. I'm very happy they did, obviously. But uh, it's yeah. uh, I, I understand these tabletop runways are quite common in India. And I don't know about in other parts of the world, but I guess it's to uh, give them landing space where otherwise there'd be too many houses. Is that right? Um, I believe so. I'm, I mean, I must admit, I'm not particularly clued up on tabletop uh, runways. But if people are interested in learning more, we do have an article about them on our website from Monday morning. Um, but yeah, I've, I have read that they're sort of more common in India. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting though how runways differ between countries because obviously I think last year or maybe the year before there was the 737 in Burbank, that uh, the southwest one in um, Los Angeles that shot off the end of the runway and that was 
stopped by the special uh, arresting material at the end of the runway designed to stop aircraft that have okay. gone too far. Uh, like an escape lane sort of thing. Yeah, like an escape lane for aircraft. But obviously this isn't um, in use at this Indian airport. No, there's obviously no room for error there, is there? And uh, mm. they do get some terrible weather during monsoon season. So I think, you know, the pilots can be forgiven for coming out of it the way that they did, really. So, uh, I, mean, so there's, I guess there's an investigation ongoing yeah. with this, is there? So the, the investigation's ongoing. And I mean, until that comes through, we shouldn't really make any assumptions about what happened. Um, no, of course. It's, it's very easy... Um, when these crashes happen for everyone to become sort of um, sofa armchair experts yeah. in aviation. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to think that we can sort of say with a certain degree like this might have happened, but at the end of the day, it's ultimately up to the investigators to say this happened, this didn't of happen. Of course. I'm sure we'll find out more about it mm. later in the year once uh, once everything's been looked at. Yeah, I mean, it's... A tough one, but I guess, would you like to talk about something slightly more positive? Um, yeah, why not? After that, 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 um, deep start. <laughs> it had to be reported and I'm glad yeah. I didn't have to do it. So, uh, so yeah, um, one of the very few positive things to come out of COVID has been the massive reduction in CO2 emissions. Um, and working with, uh, there's a company that we work with called Spire Aviation and they track aircraft using satellites. Um, so they quite often share their data with us. And it was really interesting to find out just how much CO2 emissions dropped when we had the kind of most stringent period of lockdown in, in Europe. Um, so around about January the 25th, which I'm sure that we'll eventually refer to as the pre-COVID era, um, flights across Europe were operating just about normally um, and Spire Aviation registered a total of 8,730 planes in the sky on that day. By the 25th of April, most of Europe had instigated a, a fairly thorough travel lockdown um, and a lot of airlines had grounded huge portions of their fleet. Um, and on that day, Spire Aviation tracked just 4,980 aircraft flying. And that was a drop of 43% from the same day in January, which clearly would come with a sizable drop in CO2 emissions as well. So they've done some number crunching and they've come up with um, a typical pre-COVID day in Western Europe um, would have seen some 700 million kilograms of CO2 produced from aviation. Um, and this is based on the average aircraft utilisation rate of 10 flight hours per day and looking at kind of the fleet as it was back then. So to put it into some sort of perspective, that's equivalent to the emissions of 61 million passenger cars, which I believe is round about the entire number of passenger cars in France added together with the entire number of passenger cars in the UK. So when the aircraft traffic dropped by 43%, it wasn't just the loss of kind of aircraft numbers. There were also big changes made to the behavior of aircraft utilization. So there were more small aircraft, obviously fewer wide bodies because there were less international flights going on. So the segments were shorter. There were shorter utilization hours. And as we've talked about extensively on this podcast, the inefficient quad jets were the first to be grounded. Um, so again, Spires crunched the numbers for us on this. And they said that it's led to a drop in CO2 
emissions of approximately 70%, which is huge. And they've calculated this to be 500 million kilograms or half a billion kilos. So, you know, that's really sizable. And they said that's equivalent to taking 43 million cars off the road, which is more than every single car in the UK combined. That's just for one day. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. Um Obviously, this isn't feasible to maintain longer term. Uh, we're, we're seeing the traffic ramping up already. But I do think, you know, we're taking something forward from this is kind of what, you know, we're all looking at the new normal, aren't we? And uh, I think the new normal will bring with it a new normal aviation industry as well that's leaner and greener than the one we've seen before. So we've talked, like, we, like I said, Tom, about all the older and less efficient aircraft that have been retired permanently. Um, Others have been grounded and have been put in storage for some time. You know, we're looking at maybe two, three, maybe even four years before traffic returns to normal. So I absolutely think that we'll see a drop in CO2 emissions from aviation, not just in Europe, but globally, you know, as we come out of this and and start looking at the new international fleet. So uh, you've also got the benefit of, like you said, say British Airways, for example, is retiring its um, 747s, which are its least inefficient aircraft, and they're, they're not alone. Yeah. Like Iberia is getting rid of the A340s, so yeah. uh, even when traffic ramps up to normal levels again, there will be it will be with cleaner aircraft, cleaner, newer aircraft. Yeah, it'll aircraft. be Dreamliners and A350s yeah. that are providing our future long-haul needs, not mm. so many A380s and 747s. So, uh, well, hopefully so, a yeah. few A380s, um, which I'd <laughs> like to talk about next. Oh, please do. That would be lovely. So it seems as though the A380 is now starting on its long road to making a comeback. And I mean, obviously, we're never going to see... Um, pre-COVID levels of A380s because there's only eight left to be delivered um, and Luft, um, Air France and itself has retired nine aircraft since the start of the uh, crisis. So doing maths, the fleet is going to be smaller post-crisis, whatever happens. Um, but we've seen, uh, obviously, China Southern was fairly in the news for um operating the A380 right through the crisis. And it was the only airline that was. I mean, we had like Asiana doing a couple of ghost flights here and there and BA flying their flight aircraft for maintenance. But at the end of the day, for us, it's the passenger flights that really count. Um, And Emirates has actually been um, little uh, little by little building up its A380 fleet. Um, or shall I say it's A380 route network. It started off with Paris and London, which I believe we discussed previously. Um, since then, they've ramped it up to include Cairo, Amsterdam, uh, Guangzhou in China, and um, one more which escapes uh, Toronto, I believe, um, which is an interesting one to pick, um, I feel. But um, it's it's interesting, though, because you know London Heathrow used to be one of the big like places like Heathrow and Los Angeles were previously the really big A380 hubs. I mean, Heathrow itself had um, all sorts operating from it. British Airways, Emirates, Etihad, Korean Air, Malaysia Airlines, Qantas, Qatar, Singapore Airlines, and Thai Airways. They were all operating the A380 to Heathrow. Um, and now there are just um, free a380 hubs per se and each of these has two operators which are emirates and china southern because they're the only two operating flights um so london was 
the original hub post COVID A380 hub because that already had flights from uh, China Southern and then it was the first route resumed by uh, Emirates. And then uh, Guangzhou became second because Emirates launched their daily A380 service there, I think on Saturday. Uh, and of course, uh, as we all know, um, that's the base for China Southern's A380s. So of course, they're operating from there. Um, but it seems that Paris is going to become third because I learned just this morning that um, China Southern is planning, I think, seven one-off um they say one-off when there's seven of them, but you know what I mean. Seven <laughs> one-off um, A380 flights to Paris, uh, which is means this a repatriation that, thing, or um, I think it's possibly just um, a sort of increased demand on specific dates thing. Okay. Um, I don't really think. I think the days of repatriation flights are largely behind us now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, apart from the ongoing Van de Barrett, of course, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which seems to be never ending. Yeah, but I mean, they were very late to the party, so that's understandable. They were. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they will join Emirates, who are operating a daily flight to Paris. But of course, Paris won't have its Air France A380s operating anymore, because as we've mentioned many times over the last couple of months, Air France has retired all of their A380s, sadly. Yeah, so, they couldn't wait um, to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so as it is, we have two A380 operators operating a fairly fairly minute route of A380 routes. But I mean, the, we've got to build from something. Yeah, I guess it's better than nothing, isn't it? Mm. And you're still confident British Airways will be bringing them back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I actually think they're sort of getting closer to bringing it back because it was interesting. IAG revealed their Q3, Q3 results last week? Yes, the week, so week before, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, at some point recently, they revealed their <laughs> Q3 results. And there was a really interesting little tidbit in there because I love I love their results presentations because you can find all sorts of bizarre stories that, you know. <laughs> um, and it was interesting because it specifically pointed out how the fleet at British Airways is being modified. Uh, for example, we learned that the A318 won't be making a comeback. Uh, so the Fad. city New York flight has been cancelled, but they that was a bucket list flight for me. I don't yeah. know about you, Tom, but <laughs> that's a real shame. I mean, it would have been nice, but um, there's other things sort of on my to-do list as well. Um, <laughs> but interestingly, they said four A380s to be stored for the time being. So that right. with a fleet Out of twelve of aircraft, 12, that yeah. leaves eight aircraft that. Either not will be not being restored so they're returned to service or not being stored so they're being scrapped. And as oh, far as I'm aware, <laughs> BA isn't planning to scrap A380s. So it does look positive, but um, I mean, only time will tell what happens with their fleet, I feel. We'll have to wait and see. Yep. <laughs> Cool. Well, in other A380 news, I just wanted to fill people in on uh, a bit of excitement that went on down at the Algarve last week. Um, so the, the beaches in the Algarve are incredibly popular. There, It's Portugal, for those who haven't heard of it. Um, and uh, there's, they're attracting some holidaymakers back down there now. Um, and for those who happen to also be plane spotters or av geeks, 
they had a, a mixture of panic, surprise and delight when uh, Highfly took their very famous coral reef livery painted A380 down from Beja on uh, on the 5th of August. This was essentially a maintenance flight. So they were doing a, a functional flight check that lasted just about an hour. But rather than just kind of looping around Beja and, and then uh, taking it back to the hangar, they decided to have a bit of fun. <laughs> so 9H MIP, which is the uh, the least A380, the only least A380 in the entire world, actually, headed the, down the to the... Least A380. Wet lease A380, yep. sorry, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I knew what I meant. <laughs> There's quite a few more than a least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> the one that's four higher, should I say. Yep. So he he- they headed down to the west, uh, to the coast just west of Faroe, um, and then they turned east over the Atlantic and looped around, and it looked like they were heading back to the north to their, to their um, operations centre. But instead of flying straight back to the hangar, they descended to 800 feet, which is only around 240. 40 meters and turned west and flew straight across the city of Faroe. Um, from there, they proceeded to track the Algarve coastline for about 10 minutes, flying low and really slow at around 150 knots. Um, so they they went all the way up the beach of the Algarve, <laughs> which must have been quite a thing to see such a, a huge aircraft flying so low and slow. Um, and in front of the popular beaches at Praia de Faleza, they turned a large loop, tracked the beaches back down again for a few minutes, and then turned a huge loop over the ocean, went up to 11,000 feet and went back to Beja. Mm-hmm. So... You might have thought it was a rogue pilot, but apparently it was planned by the company. And in fact, they put out an alert on Twitter letting people know that it would be overflying the region that day. Um, But it appears that not everybody on the beach has actually noticed this tweet. Uh, Because if you have a look online and and even in in our article about it, there's a somebody took a video of the event and there were people screaming and running up the beach out of the water (laughs) because they they thought that it was going to make a water landing. They thought it was a distressed aircraft and apparently there were hundreds of calls to the emergency services so oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure it worked out quite how they wanted it to and Highfly did say it was to raise awareness of marine conservation because as I say the, the oh, A380 the it's a, yeah. yeah it's got the beautiful coral reef save the coral reefs livery so they said it was to raise awareness but uh, I'm not sure it quite worked the way that they wanted it to I think maybe next time they should probably just hire a Cessna 172 with a banner out of the back <laughs> <laughs> it might cause a little less panic, but yeah. uh, I do wish I'd seen it. And, uh, it must have mm. been pretty scary for those people who weren't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it sounds like quite a cool thing. I guess, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> a cool stunt, but uh, yeah. maybe less well planned than it I could mean, have it's, been. I it's, mean, it's probably one of the more interesting flights that's been flown by an A380. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So from the world's biggest aircraft, Tom, you wanted to tell us about how well the world's smaller passenger jet is doing. Yeah. So, I mean, like now that we've touched on Airbus's biggest product, I wanted to look at Airbus's smallest product, the A220, Um, because it seems like actually this is a really popular aircraft um, right now. And um, that's for sort of two reasons, because one, it's it's quite small. So with its two f- uh, two free layout, it's not hard to fill one of these compared to an A380. Um, you know, when you're looking at 100 to 150 seats as opposed to maybe up to upwards of 500 plus seats. Um, mm-hmm. And 
That's, so that's the first reason. It's easy to fill. And the second reason is um, it's young and fuel efficient. You know, it's a new design. Yeah. It's, um, it's not like um, older designs, which are just reworked into newer designs, um, which we're not no. going to go into. <laughs> but you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's a clean, cheap plane, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been designed from scratch. And um, the oldest one is just a tad over four years old. So... Um, you know, the whole fleet is young. Um, but I was actually surprised when I looked into the sort of f facts and figures of this because there are, um, what was it? There's 112 aircraft that have been delivered. Right. Um, how many of those do you think have uh, flown a commercial service since August began? Um, I wouldn't like to say. I mean, I guess about <laughs> half. You would be wrong there because 105 have actually been um, oh, wow. in commercial service since the start of August. And these were based on figures um, from, um, I think, four or five days ago. So maybe a couple more might have flown since then. But um, that means that 93.75% of the world's A220 fleet is currently operational. Wow. I um, bet that's better than all other narrow bodies, isn't it? Probably, and definitely yeah, the, better than wide bodies. <laughs> um, the AE220-100 has an operational rate of 100%. There's none of them that aren't operating wow. right now. That's um, impressive. There's only seven aircraft that aren't operating. The four Egypt Air A220-300s, um, one from Air Tanzania, uh, one another one from Egypt Air that's being operated by Air Sinai, and right. one of Air Baltic's fleet of A220 300s. Wow. Um, so I just thought that was a really cool fact because right now we're sort of talking about like, oh, only like five A380s are flying, say, and, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, there's only 30 747s operational. But actually, um, this is like the little plane that could in a way, you know. Um, yeah. It's proving to be really popular for the airlines that have it. So it it's nice a perfect sort of post-pandemic plane, I think. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's like you say, it's incredibly efficient. It's the perfect yeah. size for reduced travel demand. It can go yeah. anywhere. It can land anywhere. You know, it can even land at London City. Mm. And uh, it's a huge crowd pleaser as well. You know, we've, we've both been on one and it's got mm. great big windows and comfy seats and there's no way they can squeeze another one across or anything. So it's always going to yeah. be comfortable. So, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think it's the perfect recovery plane mm, I mean like personally I've flown it once and I love the thing I want to get on it again <laughs> so <laughs> you may well get the opportunity if it's uh, yeah. the aircraft of choice for a post-pandemic future or maybe I'll just have to plan a, a trip to Riga and then I'll have to fly on it because that's the only Air Baltic uh, plane now <laughs> exactly Oh, that's really interesting, Tom. I think that's probably about all we've got time for today, though. So, mm. uh, as usual, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And please do give us any feedback you might have at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.